0: The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by Hello New Age Christian family, this is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast and this is episode number 84. This is the third episode with Ronnie Harrima. The interview that turned into three interviews, or three episodes at least. Uh, Hopefully you have enjoyed the first two episodes, and if you have not heard them, go back and listen and hear more of what Ronnie has to say about life, about spirituality, about God, about his journey through Christendom to where he is now, where he would even say, go so far as to say that he's even an atheist at this point. This is a really interesting interview that I enjoyed a whole lot. It actually continues for the next two episodes because I went down to his house and recorded another interview to do some follow-up with these three. So continue to listen to this discussion and let it challenge your, your thoughts and your perspectives. And hopefully you're having some fun. Let's get started. We are back for <laughs> episode
1: number three. For them, it might be two weeks apart, but I'm still wearing my Game Boy Switch right.
0: So, and we're still ready to get trying to hurry up so we can go golfing. Yes. So yes, which Ronnie and I are both decent at golf, which is nice. Yeah, can't wait. And uh, we're gonna go have some fun. So, um, you know, we the first episode was kind of deconstruction. I don't even know you'll have to listen back to right? find out what it really was so two weeks ago uh the last episode i would probably summarize as more philosophical sure broad you know big picture yeah one of the things that i know for my part like i listen to podcasts like this yep. or i listen to teachings and i'm like okay that's great yeah um you've done a really good job of poking holes you've done a really good job of challenging my yep. thoughts you've done a really good job of of bringing some healing and like oh my gosh i felt like that too but there is this massive ever present filter for me as a deep thinker Mm -hmm. and as a teacher of going okay but is it working for you Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so in this last episode and how are you applying it right right? and less than the normal amount of time we've been giving it and so it's 143 we need to be done no later than get a half hour so yeah Yeah. a solid half hour if not like 40 minutes so that'll be a great episode so you know ronnie you have deconstructed your faith you have deconstructed the same way i have mm-hmm. you have gotten what i would in knowing you and and articulating in my way the last two episodes yeah it seems like you've gotten to a place where you're super duper comfortable with unknowns you're super mm-hmm. comfortable with questions yeah and I would almost say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that the need for answers is is mm-hmm. not really a driver for you.
1: i'm still I'm still learning that. Okay. I think that was something I in between the break there, I was trying to you know honestly describe what I think it is. Like I've always been fine with questions, but I still always put everything under the umbrella in some category of Yahweh or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. That okay. was my but in a way of being able to step back and go, that was a room in the house of my life. And I stepped into the living room and I looked at a door labeled Christianity. And then I stepped out of the living room and I and I saw a door labeled Judaism or j- labeled, you know, Yahweh religion. or monotheism. <laughs> right. And then stepped out further and saw the house was labeled religion. And then I stepped away and I noticed the neighborhood was called spiritual thinking in general, superstition, religious, supernatural, all of that. And there was a time where I finally realized, where did I come to this? Like I said in the last episode, where did I become convinced there was a supernatural aura thing going on in my world? And the more I thought about it and I looked at my life's experiences and even the experiences, I was like, oh, this person texted me and said, hey, you were on my mind this morning. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to say this to you. I realized how susceptible I was and how quickly I would translate anything into a spiritual definition. So for me, it kept going back going like, do I want to keep living this way and who will this work with? And I realized it only worked with believers, but if I went and took my (laughs) worldview to anybody who wasn't a believer, they were going to look at me and kind of their brow would frow. They might shrink their eyes and be like, um, so what do you mean by that? And they might ask more questions. And I realize, wow, my methodology only works with people of faith. Hmm. So people who don't presume a faith hypothesis, I have nothing in common with them. And then when I look up and go, but I thought faith was everything. And I realize it's only about 30% of people in America are actually church going occasionally or even once a month. So then it was like, here I am, 30 years old, going. Who's the 70 percent? Who's right. most people, and how do they engage? And then I'd look at them. Do, they, do I watch them sliding down slides in the yard with their kids, going on walks with their dogs,
0: loving you mean their backsliding. wife?
1: <laughs> yeah, it made me have to ask huge <laughs> questions because Christianity said if you ask Jesus into your heart, He'll give you a new heart, and you'll have the fruits of the Spirit. And your heart of stone will be now a heart of flesh. And the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so then immediately I'd have to go, but I've met way too many people Mm -hmm. who don't even follow that story. And they're as good as I could even say. And even in some moments, one of my first examples was when I went through a, a divorce 10 years ago. 12 years ago, sorry. Her name was Lauren. And we live next to a couple named Paul and Hope. Paul and Hope. And Paul. oh yeah, I
0: think you've told me the story. I love it. Yeah,
1: dude. I came home every night and they were the nicest neighbors. They would always say hi to us. They'd always help us. And I remember telling Lauren I was like they're either like high all the time or they're deeply religious. I found out they were high all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and they would invite me over every Friday night and just over a year I came to realize like these people are more charitable than I am. They're more friendly than I am. They every Wednesday, his wife picks up or something every day after school picks up their handicapped neighbor and brings them home from their handicapped school and then does this and does this and like the more I got to and they weren't just outwardly telling me their good works, like a lot of right. a lot of Christians love to brag about how wonderful <laughs> they're they just did it, and they weren't churchgoers, they weren't even people of faith and one day. Hope asked me, she's like, hey, Paul is a deep thinker. He asks a lot of questions about faith and stuff. He knows you go to church. Would you mind talking to him about, you know, your church experience and stuff? And I remember sitting down and I couldn't in a good conscience tell him, I have something you don't have. Right. I couldn't. And I even had to be willing to say, honestly, Paul, like his name was Paul. And I said, I think you possess things that honestly I wish I had you have a humanity and a caring and a humility and a, a f- you're such a good neighbor to the people around you. I look at that in my own religion and call that the fruit of the spirit and I long for those traits to come out of me. And I'm asking this magical entity to do it and you're doing it just because it makes sense to do and because you're a good human.
0: Well, obviously you only knew that those were good traits because the Bible tells you so.
1: Right. And so my... <laughs> my morality came from the Bible, all of that stuff. And it just, it really made me struggle. And it made me go, he was like, well, what churches would you recommend going to? And suddenly we, we talked a lot about the Bible together, but I had to admit to him. I said, Paul, look, I'll talk to you about church. I'll talk to you about my upbringing and I'll tell you the way I see the world. But I honestly have to tell you, I don't see you as having anything missing that I can offer. And that really messed me up for like a a while. It really made me start going like, I have had thousands of hours of Holy Spirit training, thousands of hours of being in church services and worship service. I have the truth. And this is the almighty creator of atoms, who Mm -hmm. is telling me the truth of the world. And yet some of those truths have yet to fully manifest in my own life or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just made me go. I just don't think the math works Christi- the way Christianity says it does. I think humans are humans. I've come to see that, like, whether you're a believer or not. You've got good and bad. you got stupid and bright. You've got compassionate and non-compassionate. You've got this human nature thing that kind of wins out. And in the end, believers get divorced just as much as non-believers. There's no amount of Holy Spirit that stops that. I'm witness to that. You're witness, you know. Yeah. We're all witness to that and, and just going there's something else at play and at what is that thing it's human nature there's a nature we have that like a non-believer can be incredibly good and beautiful and sweet and precious and more genuine and more honest than a believer that shouldn't be if the holy spirit's in their heart for real right mm-hmm. and he's a witness of all truth if the fruits of the spirit are supposed to come out of them there should be no pastor in the world that ever falls into immorality, that ever falls into tax evasion, that ever falls into dishonesty, that ever falls into drugs. Christians, by default, for 2,000 years, Jesus should transform their heart, and they should become Marvel-like superhuman. Right. And it doesn't happen. So then you have you to start walk going— should the power
0: of the Spirit. You should yeah. be able to heal people. You should, you should be able, should able heal. to trans-relocate. You yep. be immortal.
1: So then it would make me go—my first blame would be the culture. It's the culture's problem. But then eventually it led to an honest, maybe it's the book's problem. and yeah. Maybe the book is not so true. And maybe the book has its gaps. It has its contradiction. Doesn't mean there isn't some good and some beauty that you can pull from it. But I don't, maybe we need to look back and realize. So for me, it was a huge realization. I do not think this book is the book they say it is. If it was, if it was the almighty creator of atoms and cells and oceans and mountains and like Do you think he could have taken the time when they were at Mount Sinai to say, hey, by the way, you know, don't own slaves. Good idea. (laughs) Do you think Jesus in his time could have been like, hey, guys, look, between now and eighteen hundred, there's going to be the Black Plague, and there's going to be this, and there's going to be this. There's going to be like 100 million of you that will die because you don't wash your hands. So I can't explain it. I can't explain it now because you don't have language and telescopes for it. Just trust me. Wash your hands. Like, Jesus could have prevented so many things. He could have prevented so many beheadings, so many people being burned at the stake. He could have said so many better things than he did. But people look at the Sermon on the Mount and go, oh my God, it's just the greatest source of wisdom. Right. He gives husbands the right to write the woman an issue of divorce, but he gives the woman no permission. Right? Right. That again, that it speaks for its time, that it speaks for the people group it was a part of. It speaks that it was a human book written by humans. So the moment believers can finally just say that, now we can have a real discussion. Humans wrote the book. Of course it has errors. Humans wrote it. Of course it has contradictions. Humans wrote it. Of course it shows different beliefs. It's a human book. Even if they were trying to be truthful now the book I have no problem with. The moment you say, hey, this is a human book that we try to pull wisdom through, great, let's read it. But Why the moment you? you say, this is breathed of God, every word of it, it's like,
0: oh, now I have problems. Well, even then, like even if those who, like, if you listen to my episode on what about the Bible, mm. I make the case, but I take it through typological, allegorical, everything like that, which then absolutely introduces an, uh, interpretation. I also make the case that you know even even the errors that are there, Holy Spirit is engaged enough like we're good, right, but whether you agree with my take on the Bible that I recorded in episode four, I think uh or what you everything you just said, yeah, there's another layer is can you handle hearing somebody else's opinion, yeah and not lose your shit, right, which is whole nother level of identity and wokeness right. and everything like that i mean it's you know i think we are in our discussions today and in the past like there are definitely things where i say it and you're like mm, i don't know mm-hmm. about that or I, you say it and i'm like mm, i don't know mm-hmm. about that but if we've learned anything right as people who have journeyed you're 36 i'm 38 like if we've learned anything as people who were born and raised the way we were and have become who we are yeah is that we have learned to be able to listen to new ideas and not right. freak out right not have our identity challenged and our right. sense of safety and all that stuff challenged. yeah and so uh kind of moving on in that vein yeah, yeah you know yeah uh for the next 20 minutes or so yeah you know this new way of thinking this this journey you know how's it working for you yeah do you like your life better yeah. or worse Do you find more joy or less joy mm-hmm. are you more financially secure your prosperity all that stuff yep. that the gospels promises so you know just and
1: i would rather choose to just be very just because i think the time is right i would mm-hmm. rather just be very candid and be transparent so my wife and i specifically you choose i would say the last time i said a prayer and I meant it and I was actually praying was probably close to five years ago. So I don't pray, one, because I don't believe there's somebody listening. Now, can I talk to myself? Yeah. Can I have conversations with myself? Do I think it's healthy to meditate? Do I think it's good to write things down and even sometimes use a third person? Dear Ronnie, or dear higher self, or do I think there can be really good ways that you can orient yourself to get out of your head Mm -hmm. to sometimes stop letting your consciousness run the show. Yeah, I think meditation can be deeply great, but I don't think it's entirely spiritual in nature. I think it's just mental in nature. I think our mind, I would say the one thing that I would honestly just look you in the eye and say I'm very intrigued about is I think consciousness is incredibly mysterious. And I think it is to everybody. I think consciousness is probably, I would say, music. Music is one of my one connections to like there are times in music i can't explain it i had it driving up this morning i'm listening to certain songs and i feel a certain feeling i feel a certain emotion there's something with a the melody there's something with a drive and the rhythm that makes me feel out of body was it cold play no actually gareth <laughs> gareth emerson he's amazing gareth emerson so i'm listening to gareth emerson but like i'm also learning to go wait a minute is what i'm feeling out of body or am i just describing it that way do i need it what in what way do i need to anchor myself to reality and go what's really happening here in my mind and my heart and my emotions and in what way do I need to learn to stop interpreting things as spiritual when they're not?
0: Obviously everyone knows that Gareth Emerson is the music by which you touch the realm of spirit. Oh, right, yeah. And if you want to heal people, you yeah. need to be listening to Gareth Emerson. Yeah. So but I've I've often I'm going to write a book about the powers of <laughs> Gareth Emerson's music. Yeah, he's amazing.
1: I actually would say one unfair way of describing spirituality and I'm admitting right now it's unfair so don't hold me to this is <laughs> imagination that's given too much emotional license you have emotions and you have an imagination and some people and through some paradigms we've been encouraged to be able to interpret it under a certain light and we need to be more honest to just say that was my mind that was what i was picturing but before we come up with conclusions about what it actually was i think that's where we need to hit the brakes sometimes and be a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more fair a little bit more flexible I think, so, And there's, a, there's, yeah.
0: a, there's an energy inside of Christianity and a lot of faiths, even the word faith, yeah. that what you're describing is, I can have an experience and I hold it with an open hand, yeah. that it may or may not be fill in the blank.
1: All right. So, yeah, prove but, to me, ask me, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Sorry. Well,
0: but the people then, well, then you don't have faith. Yeah. And suddenly faith, instead of a gift, is now a bridal. Yeah. Instead, it's, it's now a whip. Yeah. That you must have faith, or else, right? You'll never experience that again, or that experience was wrong, or you're being unfaithful, right. or whatever. Like,
1: and all you have to do for most people, and I've I've actually posed this question to my parents. I've just said, all I want you to do is to take the Christian paradigm and frame it toward your children. Right. You're a powerful parent. You have a hundred million dollars inheritance for your son. You want him to marry a girl named Rachel. You've made an agreement with her dad. You go to your son when he's six years old and you say, son, when you're 18, you're going to marry Rachel. Every Sunday, I'm going to have you meet her for an hour to have a play date. You're going to get to know her. Don't worry. You don't need to tell her you're going to marry her, but eventually you will love her. Here's why. Because when you're 18, you will marry her and you will get a hundred million dollar inheritance from me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, dad. But what if I don't love Rachel? It doesn't matter. You're going to choose her. But what if I really, 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 really don't like Rachel? Then I'm going to lock you in the basement. <laughs> you're already laughing. And, and here's, hold on, hold There's on. a fire. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. I'm going to lock you in the basement for the rest of your days. You're going to live till you're 80. For 60 years, I'm going to send mice down there to eat you. I'm going to send down plagues. I'm gonna, Every now and then the, the, the floor is just going to turn really hot for an hour and then it's going to die away and cool. You're just going to be tortured. You never know when. You never know how. Just psychotically for 80 years you're going to be tortured and then you're going to die down there. So here's your choice. $100 million in Rachel or that. But don't worry. I love you. You have free will. You freely get to choose which reality you want. <laughs> I have yet to meet a Christian that when I pose that to them, I say, please explain to me how the Christian authoritarian Yahweh is giving me any other choice. I have yet to meet a Christian that can explain it any other way. Right. And then they go, well, how dare you? You're bringing God down and making him. His be ways like are not our ways. And I say, no, no, no. His ways are much worse yeah. because he's not.
0: <laughs> no. I told my brother, I was like, if that's your God, I don't, I would rather be in hell. Yeah, I would, I don't want to be in that presence. I, because that I, a I at
1: least in my story, in 80 years, I get out, death frees <laughs> me from my parent. In the Christian story, you go to the dungeon, and through a megaphone, I talk to you every day. You're in here because I told you, so you rebelled <laughs> against me, you, you didn't so. love me. The Christian God, really, when you proclaim it and go, hey, Pascal's Wager, what if you're wrong, man?
0: What are you risking?
1: This is good news. How is this good news?
0: This is terrible news. You're
1: announcing to me that I'm born into a reality where there's a dictator whose courts have, I love Christopher Hitchens, he says, whose courts have no appeal. Mm. His courts have no appeal. And then he calls it free will. And you get to be the one who says, I'm sorry, sir, this is not free will. If God came down and said, no, here's eternity. You get this, or you could have 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 this, any degree. This one, he could be really close to me. This one, he could be kind of close to me. This one, could be this. And I had a parent, I'll just say, to protect her, because I really love my mom. She's willing to have these conversations with me. But she said, but I compare it to like, you know, if my kids want to be close to me, they can, but if they don't, I don't make them. If they want to call me, they do. I said, right, mom, but when I don't call you for a week, you do don't call the police and have me shot and have me tortured. (laughs) So to pretend that you giving me free will to be in your life is the same as God giving us free will is not the same thing according to the doctrine. If you really want to go there. So do I have conscious reason to go a, do I really believe that that's the creator of the universe and that's the energy behind life? I do not believe that if you could convince me of that, would I stand before that deity like Moses or David or anyone else and give my free opinion and argue with that deity? Yes, I would. So what I'm actually saying is I'm finding enough bone in me to go, if you can prove to me that that's true, I will fight it. I would be an oppositionist. If God stood before me and I said, here's what you have to say to believe the Bible's true to my parent. When God says, I'm so sorry, you really tried, but your son, he's going down door number two. I said, do you really think you could watch me go into door number two? But not even that it closes. You watch. uh, I forget who his name was. It was a great rabbi um, theologian who said, one of the joys of heaven is we get to watch the punishment of the damned. Right. The quote is, we are the select and chosen few. The rest of you are damned. There's room enough in hell for you. We don't want heaven crammed. (laughs) That's, That's the old poem. That's the old poem, and you go. How could a whole group of saints? Did John Calvin write that? It was. I think it was a Celtic poem, or a, or, a, or an old Dutch poem. But the question we have to ask ourselves is: if that was what was passed on to us from church fathers, one of the joys of heaven is you get to watch the the guilty. It's a
0: joy. Oh my God! My old co-worker. So
1: I asked him, Bob. Could you watch me go into hell's flames and watch me scream in agony and the weeping and gnashing of teeth? And tell me, looking in my eye, that you could go goodbye, son. I gave it my best, and could you turn around and then sing a praise song to the one who sent me there?
0: Right. I said you fingerling sandwiches. You
1: yeah. You tell me
0: picnic.
1: You tell me that's just as much as saying I could walk in on somebody who's raping my child for the name of God, and I could go there. You go, sir. Good job, sir. Well done. You're telling me I could find some sort of joy and a grievance with it. And Mm -hmm. I just said, and you immediately find it appalling that I could even compare that. No, 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 this is for eternity. This is not just someone harming my child for 10 minutes. This is for all eternity. And so it does, I think, sharpen, if it doesn't, I think it should sharpen our wits. It should sharpen our consciousness and go, what are you believing you subscribe to?
0: And it's easier to touch it when it's like, okay, so that rapist or that murderer, they're going to be burned in hell forever. Therefore, it feels kind of good. Right? Right. It's a pleasure of heaven to watch those burning in hell. So, Hitler, that's right. Fuck you, dude. Right? It feels good. But, and so, okay, you could make a case for those who have done super duper evil. They get their punishment coming. But where's the line? There's no line. Here's why. Heaven... We say
1: that God is all-powerful and all-knowing. So here's what that means. Uh, There's a girl named Frolang. Um, She was um, in Poland. Husband trapped her in his basement. I think it was like for like 30 years. Oh, yeah. The story is crazy. She bore like four children to him or something. And then he impregnated them, impregnated his own grandchildren. Many of the brothers and sisters died to starvation and disease and stuff. So then what people have to believe if there's a theist God, God is there for 30 some years listening to her, talking to her. She's praying. She's weeping. The kids are being born praying and weeping. And he just goes, don't worry, guys, one day it's all going to be worth it. The difference between me and God would be if I for a moment saw that, I would intervene. Right. See, we are told to intervene. And if let's just say you saw a child being raped by a human. Would you intervene or would you go, "Ah, God has a plan. Don't impose on free will. Ask yourself that question. Yet we're allowed to give God that license. Well, his ways are mysterious. He knows what he's doing. So we're required to be more moral than God. Right. God's allowed to sit back and let things occur, but we're not. So that's where we have to go. Well, be holy as he is holy. I am. He's letting it occur like at what place does a christian really have moral license what groundwork do they have to call something moral under those types of thinking the unabomber somebody who goes in and flies a plane into a building and says i'm going to get 37 virgins 17 virgins and god's going to give me a planet all because i did this and don't worry i know it's painful Three thousand people are going to die as the tower falls in the end it will all make sense No matter what his thinking was, we call him immoral as a Christian. Right. So how under his thinking, though, he's hearing God. He's believing his religion is giving that to him. So what's so scary for me about people who become religiously expansive is if you're not careful. I love it when people like we're talking to Kat and she's like, oh, yeah, I don't I don't believe if this works for me, that doesn't have to work for you. That is the most rare statement to make among religious folk because the moment you start hearing from God, and well, God said this to me, how do you tell that that guy who flew into the building, how do you tell him he was wrong? What if he was right? Mm -hmm. How do you know he was wrong? Maybe he should have brought down that building. So that's what's so tough. That's what's so tough about religion is it Mm -hmm. falls into a category where you end up getting all these people arguing and they have no real, no basis to be able to um, do a checks and balances with one another it by nature has the license to just run amok right that's one of my issues with it and where i think people have to really ask themselves questions about like i was asking my mother the other day i just said do you think that you have the right she filed for divorce for two different husbands i said do you think you have the right to do that and do you think god was with you yes i do well according to scripture you don't right so here's the deal though. as a human i think you do as a non-believer absolutely you should have and you should have done it even before you did right but as a believer if we're going to be true about it you do not have the right so you are proving by your own life that you made a decision outside of the realm of scripture using your own logic your own reasoning your own experience there's too many times where believers, I think, don't recognize they are thinking for themselves and they're not using scripture as their sole basis for the decisions they make. And that's a good thing. I think that would be one thing I'm advocating in this whole three um, episodes yeah. sessions is going to the degree that you used to believe the Bible was your umbrella over all methodology. If you really look at your life and examine it, Joyce Meyer should not be doing what she's doing because it says I forbid any woman to speak in the presence of men. Do not for a minute hear that I'm advocating that. I'm saying according to being a fundamentalist word by word Christian. Right. The only reason you can be a Christian today and exist is because you are willing to pick and choose. So now let's ask the question, what gives you the permission to pick and choose different verses and to say, you know what? I think that verse was for then. I think this is for now. I think it's your experience. I think it's your consciousness. I think it's your own morality. Something within you is superseding the text, just like Jesus did with the Pharisees when he said, which one of you when your donkey you know, falls into the ditch on the Sabbath won't pull it out. Right. In that moment, you're superseding the text and using what's in front of you, using your emotions, using your own intellect, and going something's more important than what was written in, in uh, Deuteronomy. The- and so that, to me, is the point of... So many people. I believe it's healthy to recognize that there, sh- you are a living testament that if there, if the Bible is emphatically true, then there should be a newer and newer testament, a New Testament number three, uh, a next level version of some kind. And you need to recognize that you are living your life, even by voting, by a woman voting in our country. You are rising above the religion of your day, and you are acting upon a religion of today by no biblical authority, but by a new authority, which comes from what? Your circumstance, your heart, your reasoning. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's what you should. You should be living a life that's willing to look at these old doctrines and go, that is crazy. That doesn't make sense. These were humans' attempts to understand the divine and where we are now... I'm understanding God and society, sex, sexuality, morality in an entirely different light than I used to. And I think you should. And I think if you didn't, you would be barbaric. I think you would create a world that's almost impossible to live in, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that is definitely one thing that I would say I deeply advocate for is putting the Bible down and closing it and really asking yourself, why do you think what you think? Why do you believe what you believe? why do you vote what you vote and recognizing that it comes from, for most of us who are creating an advanced Christianity, you are adding to the story and it is going against doctrine. And I think that's a good thing.
0: So would you, sense. you know, this is new age Christianity. Well, mm-hmm. You you just called it advanced Christianity, right? Um, you, we, you know, me, mm-hmm. um, regardless of, uh, a lot of the conversations we've had that uh, give context, what would you say to someone who's on this journey and, and still wants to hold on to Jesus or to an identity? Because identities can be helpful, right? Yeah. Yep. Like when it's like, so what are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I think blah, 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 blah that you've yeah. never heard of. And people go,
1: what? I think that's a great question. I think. I believe. Now, this is not me. Believe me, I'm not speaking for God. I'm just telling you my opinion. So, Thus saith
0: the Lord. Got it. Just say it, <laughs> Ronnie.
1: I believe I would like to see people, and I believe it's more emphatic, the more and more I hear people talk about their experience. And they talk about encounters they've actually had. Mm-hmm. And from what I've witnessed, I have seen in 36 years, I have yet to meet someone that their experience was so emphatic that I go, you definitely had a God encounter and your experience even makes me want to believe. I've yet to encounter that. I've encountered much of like this happened and it was a coincidence or something. And it was, it made me really believe God was looking out for me that day. It's a lot of wishful thinking. I think it's very good to go. Only you can live with yourself. There's a quote that says an honest man who discovers that he's been mistaken will either cease to be honest or he will cease to be mistaken. Mm -hmm. Who is that? It's an unknown author. I don't know. I've heard it before. A guy named Seth Andrews uh, has a podcast who quoted it and he in his podcast said he didn't know where it came from. But an honest man who finds out he's been mistaken will either cease to be mistaken or cease to be dishonest, cease to be honest. Right. So for me going... For me, it was a matter of conscious. What life do I want to live? And what truths am I willing to proclaim and walk upon that I don't know for certain are true? And is there a difference between what I hope to be true? Like, for example, if I lost my son tomorrow, I can't imagine a greater loss. Right. But for someone to come to me and go, hey, don't worry, he's in the arms of God. To be honest, that would not console
0: me. (laughs) I understand right. why Oh, it's okay. My son's dead now. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I understand why it might console some, but it doesn't console me. So, a lot of religion I think is born out of the tragedies of our lives and wanting to make sense of loss, make sense of where we came from and where we're going. But I have been learning to make peace with those concepts and go, I lost my son and it was a treasure to have him while I did. Right. And also going, the converse could be true. What if I died next month? Uh, Like Chris did, you know. Mm -hmm. Is it really truly consoling to just believe I'll have a conversation with him again? Or is it even more gravitas to believe maybe he has showed up and that was it? His life came and just like before I was born, I have no idea where it came from. Just as likely when I die, whatever it is that I am shuts off. Sorry, I clicked really loud there. (laughs) I never even pondered that idea when I was young. I thought it was heretical. But now I find great reprieve in it. Like, what if what's true is when I die, I literally just cease to be? And is that the worst story ever? Or doesn't that make my life right now very unique and special and every day matters? And the time I spend with my kids fucking matters. That kind of thing. so for me the belief in the ongoing life after life after life after life it can create the converse effect that I don't really super care about this life okay not saying that it does but it can where believing that maybe I come to an end when I do it puts an absolute importance upon the days that I live now and so I don't want to waste a day I don't want to waste my time it's why I want to give all my time to my kids while I can and where all my attention isn't spent on making the most money I can. I wanna, ha- my, my one ideal is as much time with Anna and as much time with my boys. That's my number one ideal. Because if I ever do die, I wanna live my days as full with love as I can. Hmm. So my ideals are centered on the here and now. My ideals are centered on, so if I ever died, no one could ever go, uh he didn't love as good as he could or he wasted his life at least my target was centered on what mattered. I went to a prayer meeting with a guy who went to a guy up in the woods and he was asking him which career he should start. And the guy up in the woods, this was three years ago, 2017, the guy says, I don't think you should start anything. The way I see it, the world's coming to an end within the year. I wouldn't start a business. I would sell everything and I would just wait it out. By the end of the year, the Lord's coming. So again, I run into these kinds of people who go like, you are so focused on what's to come mm-hmm. that you're literally encouraging. Don't plan ahead. Don't think ahead like that. What's that doing for your children? This guy who he was giving the advice to has children and grandchildren. And if he took his advice, hook, line and sinker, it's just, that to me is immoral. That's irresponsible. Right. That's, it's very inconsiderate of your children of things like that.
0: A friend of a friend followed the Herald camping stuff. Okay uh i think it was march 21st 2017 or something like that at the end of the world or 2015 i can't remember there's a new one every year Everyone's... yeah there, yeah it's every year there's a new one now with all the covid and everything like of course that. oh my gosh all over covid Facebook. has
1: six letters in it yeah. all that shit oh my gosh yeah. well, do you blur just... out curse
0: words no no thank god although i probably should mark some of these podcasts explicit i just don't <laughs> remember which ones are um but like you know i mean we're it's yeah. a pretty authentic community. Yep. So, But, uh, yeah, this guy sold everything. He was one of the ones helping to pay for all the billboards that you saw everywhere. Okay. Um, that date came and went. A lot of people don't know. Harold Camping bought a $2 million mansion two weeks before the date. And uh, this guy ended up killing himself. Right. Like, I, I you know. Did you hear that the Acts 29... 29-
1: Guy who started the X twenty nine Church Planning Network committed suicide? Mm-mm. Darren Patrick. I was in Orlando, Florida when I was gonna start planning a church for the Reformed Church and I was at a convention in Orlando and he was one of the speakers. He started a mega church in two thousand four in St. Louis and grew it to like a, you know, six site, multi site type thing. hmm Ended up getting fired for Improper conversations with like a, a co-worker or something, probably something that like was between him and a girl. Mm-hmm. Spent a two-year sabbatical, went through therapy. That got hired by another mega church in South Carolina, and like a month ago, committed to it, killed himself. So these are the, these are, and people go, oh, you shouldn't use bad examples as proof of a religion. No, no, no. Read his books and read the people who quoted on the cover of his books. There's no greater example of a current modern-day apostle than Darren Patrick. Someone who lives for the Lord, lives for the kingdom. And then you have to answer. Religion sometimes pretends it doesn't have to answer for itself. No, it does. If it's saying it has the answer, if it's saying this guy's going to write books and go tell people about the answers he knows, then you do need to be able to back it up. Unless you're saying, I'm a fellow journeyer. I don't have it all. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm asking questions and I'm willing to search it all out with you. But when I am willing to stand on a pedestal and proclaim truth to you, mm. I better be certain that that truth is
0: actually truth. And if I'm going to say it's truth. Well, that's where I, I need to chime in. Yeah. I, and I'm certain that I say it multiple times. Like, the, the, even these episodes, this, the blog posts, and everything. Like, this is austin's take ronnie's take people we've interviewed i've interviewed on current answers yeah i do believe there are answers i do there is there is a culture that's like we only ask questions and there's no such thing as answers no there is a way in which the universe works right and as as humanity grows we understand it more and more and more right so i do believe there are answers but on the journey to finding those answers anybody who stands on the soapbox and says i've reached the pinnacle yeah yeah well (laughs) you better be able to stand on that same soapbox for ten thousand years living the perfect life yeah and say okay no this definitely is the pinnacle he can prove it right but when you have an entire thought system that has just so many variances right in its experience right and that experience does become king yeah you know the reality of your experience becomes the filter and you know as somebody who has known you for seven years and uh, looking at the clock and winding up someone who's known you for the short amount of time that i have but also the journey that we've both been on in seven years it's a long time with how fast we we change and grow. you know i'm from the outside it looks like it is working well for you that these these changes in thought and this perspective of life and being and being a father being a husband being a a human you could call it you could call it trust i would
1: say giving the faith people some bit of like possibility mm -hmm. because i i don't ever want to just close myself off to like your way is impossible right so i don't want to do that because that would be unfair but going it's a
0: different level of being it's a different version of being on a soapbox
1: Let's just give, like, so if I'm talking to a parent and go, let's just give your methodology permission. Let's just say it's true. Well, then, based on the fact that I have the mind of Christ and based on the tr- fact that me and God are one and God prayed and said, I hope that they would be one as you are one, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I should learn to, at some point, just trust myself. I should learn you as a parent. This is my biggest advocate, and I would, I would end by saying, Ronnie, what do you advocate for? If I could die and hope that anybody actually took away from what I'm saying, I do not believe that child indoctrination is healthy for our world and good for our world. Mm. I think if we lived in a world where a Christian parent waited until their child was 13, 14, and then said, hey, son, I'd love to invite you to come to something with me. And as your parent, I am going to demand you come once. I'd like to introduce you to a book I read. And I'd just like to ask you as your parent, I'd like you to read it. It would mean a lot to me. It was my heritage. It's where I came from. Would you please read this book? If you have any questions, when you're done, I'd like to just talk to you about the book. I'd like to see what you think. I'd like to see what you take from it. And I'd love to just talk to you about it. When you're done, if you feel like it's a book to keep reading, if you feel like it's something you want to keep talking about, I'm here and I'm ready willing to talk. If you don't, that's fine too. If parents treated the Bible the way they treated every other book, Right. I wonder what kind of world we would live in. I would say that's my advocation. Because I think Hinduism, and I'm not talking about Christianity alone, Islam, mm-hmm. Hinduism, and other monotheistic and dogmatic religions do a great disservice to their culture. Right. By asking the one question, does your child have a choice, honestly? Remove a manipulation, remove punishment, remove guilt, and remove shame, remove intimidation. Remove those things from your home and ask yourself... Do I trust the Holy Spirit of this Bible enough? Mm. Come on. If you believed, I'll tell you, and I've talked to my mom about this, so hopefully, Mom, I'm sorry if you hear this. When I was nine years old, my mom bought me a G.I. Joe every time I wrote a book. I read a book. Eventually, I had a box, a cardboard box, full of 200-plus G.I. Joes in trucks and tanks and stuff. We burned them as a sacrifice to God in my backyard. We went through our whole home because my mom and dad heard stories about cabbage patch dolls being demonic and other things from non Christian makers being demonic. We went through our entire home everything books, videos, pictures, art and we gathered it all and brought it out and we made a giant bon- barn uh, bonfire. And I remember looking at my grandma Hoffman, she died and she gave me a bookmark as her parting gift. And my mom looked at it with me and she was like, do you think that this is Christian? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, we came to the conclusion that it was Indian in nature. It was the one thing my grandma Hoffman gave me as a gift before I died, we burned it. And you have to stop and ask these questions when a mother is having her hand on her children's backs, rubbing their heads with approval. And we're watching the flames go up, going at least the demons are gone from our home now. What world are we saying exists around us? What world are you setting up your children with a chance to actually believe in? And do you want your children's faith to be genuine and authentic and real and powerful? Or do you want it to be forced, manipulated, coerced? Cultured. Do yeah. you want to you bias your child into a certain thing? Or do you want your child... I would ask the question, do you trust that God made your child and that God is in your child, and that God can speak to your child when he is ready, he, she's ready in the way that they, they, he, she need. And I would say, I think our religious worlds across the globe would look different if parents step back and really ask those questions. Do I really believe in the God I say I believe in? And if I did, would I not step back and just trust God to speak to my kid when my kid's ready? To have the encounter when my kid is ready. And I'll be here to love them, to support them, to be with them whenever that does occur. But I will not get in the way and start leading the way, for example, convincing them of Santa Claus and things like whatever. Mm -hmm. Christian parents are so against leading their kid with Santa Claus, but they're so willing (laughs) to brainwash them with other things. So I would just say, Uh, I I do think we live in a world where beliefs matter. Where beliefs affect us and are you really if you have kids what are you going to pass on to them and my recommendation would be let them have their own experiences let them let the supernatural touch them on the shoulder and have them come to you when it does and then be willing to talk about it but don't start the boat before it begins and go hey one day the supernatural will tap on your shoulder don't play that game because now you are playing upon an imagination that's not yet developed a language that's not yet developed. So I do see a lot of harm that comes And for me taking about a decade to work out of my system, certain presupposed beliefs that like, it was like I'd spent my entire adulthood trying to unwork what I had learned in my right. childhood. And I just don't think that that's fair. I don't think that that's true religion. Right. I think we have to really ask ourselves, what future do we want? So I guess that really would be my most sensitive point, would just be how we parent our kids and uh, how we pass it on. Do you press the faith or do you pass it? Well, you know.
0: Well. You have I, been more than I, yeah, kind. Right? Awesome, I'm be, uh, you have been more than kind. Thank you. I'm going to be... Uh, Listening to these last three episodes, taking notes, and then probably there's going to be a follow us follow sure. up episode to just dive into certain points. Yeah, and I can promise you this: it's not to like, yeah, corral or correct like that. Yeah. Oh, like, okay, we had this really scary thought. Let me let me <laughs> fix it. So, yeah. no, it's it's just just so you so know, much. You know, there's so many broad concepts that this ignites in me, and yeah. I'm like, oh, we could go there. Oh, we yeah. could go there, but. Ronnie, as always you're, you are loaded with thoughts that I think a lot of us think, um, but we don't pause and like observe those thoughts Yeah, and then give them the, the honor they're due. And so yeah. it is a pleasure. Thank you for yeah. being on here. Thank um, you. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. Yeah, at this thank point, you it's so much. another 50 minutes or so. We got to <laughs> get going to golf. We do. But, uh, love you guys love you man mm-hmm. and uh hopefully we can have ronnie back again someday more often who knows our schedules are it's it been crazy uh, we were going to do this months ago and then COVID Once. hit a year ago all right yeah three yeah. years ago so uh anyways thank you guys love you yeah and we'll see you on the next episode all right guys, take care